Today's episode of the Listening Podcast is brought to you by Twitter, not an official sponsorship, more uh, we're on Twitter and we'd like for you to get at us on there. Let us know what you think. It's at Listening Pod. That's at Listening Pod. Let's start the Listening Pod. Listening podcast coming at you. It is episode 70. We are in our new location, new recording location. This might end up being temporary, though, because we're both standing up right now recording so we can get the best sound possible for you guys. In the lifespan of the podcast... We're now 70. We kind of ditched the thing where we equate our episode number to an age. Oh, but yeah. we're 70 now, and we're in a new location. This is the retirement home. It's the retirement. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. We've, that's we've a good moved point. to a cushy new location. We're getting put out to pasture. Uh, <laughs> by our family, <laughs> uh, who will not visit enough. Um, but we're here for episode 70. Any thoughts on 70, Sean? Uh, Big number. 70, my grandson doesn't call me enough. Yep. Uh, I don't see my son or daughter as much as I would like to how about about 70 episodes i am going to church every single day now though okay so yeah yeah and i'm eating dinner at 4 30 sort of a big accomplishment for us to make it this far yeah big We're, pat on the back for us just something we don't do enough on the podcast no pat, pat ourselves just, on the back just let's take a minute for each of us to, to pat one another on the yeah, back yeah yeah uh so if you couldn't tell we're not just reminiscing waxing poetic about turning 70 years old we talk music on here. So kind of a light week in terms of new releases, yep. Jake. Um, we've had some packed weeks previously. Father John Misty, Kendrick Lamar, which will probably end up being two of the biggest releases of the year. And those happened right in a row. So we get to take a step back this week, have a more, I think, less serious, fun episode, reintroduce some segments. Um, so let's start out with Hot Thoughts here. I guess the big news would actually be another new Frank Ocean song. He came out with, I actually came out with two. He came out with Lens and then a remix of Slide On Me featuring Young Thug. Uh, that was a song that was on that endless visual album um, and that got remixed. So interesting stuff from Frank. He seems to be doing kind of this schedule of new releases on his Blonded radio show. Uh, what do you make of these songs? What do you think? I don't have a ton of thoughts, to be honest. I've listened to Lens a few times. I enjoyed it. Um, I don't wouldn't say I know it down pat yet or that it's really become a part of my rotation. Um, I haven't heard Slide On Me yet. I think what's more interesting to talk about with this is, like, Frank seems to have turned a new leaf in terms of the way he releases music. Um, he now, over the past month, a trend has become that he's just going to put stuff out there mm-hmm. as, he, as he sort of figures it out or as he sort of um, creates it. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, which Frank would you rather have? Would you rather have old Frank, where it's like you're not going to hear from him for years, and it's a mystery, and there's like sort of that element of like maybe he'll never re- release music again, but when he does, you're going to be super hyped for it mm. because you didn't know if this would ever happen again, or do you like this uh, strategy he's employing now of like every few weeks, new single? That's It's a really good question. Emptying the vault, so to speak. I think for us... And me personally, since we are so addicted to that album format, I think I would rather have the don't hear for, from him and then have an awesome album get dropped out of nowhere and it is like all you listen to. I think what ends up happening with some of these singles that gets released is it's you get like almost too much of a good thing, so you stop appreciate appreciating it as much. You stop caring as much. Like, for example, this Slide On Me remix 
we couldn't really find that to listen to it. And so we were just like, ah, oh, whatever. We won't listen to it. So we haven't even heard that and don't really seem to care all that much. And that's what I was going to say is that what's difficult about the way he's releasing stuff right now, um, and who knows how permanent this is. It could just be a new thing he's trying. But it's harder to care as actively about mm. Frank Ocean when he's releasing stuff like through his radio show mm-hmm. when like some of it gets put on Spotify and seems official and then mm-hmm. some of it mm-hmm. never gets released it seems or like his yeah like you said I haven't heard the slide on me remix and I mean if there's a huge barrier to finding it I mean we're so spoiled nowadays that everything we want we get on demand mm-hmm. whenever and I'm not saying that's necessarily mm-hmm. right or fair to artists but it's what I'm used to so when I have to actually do some digging to find a song I like I'm not going to yeah exactly I'm the same way and I think with Spotify and with those album releases, one of the reasons why I like those is because you're like, okay, I know this is a finite thing that is just going to be on a streaming service or that I can just have as a whole thing. There's something about singles being released on this infrequent schedule that you can't rely on, that you don't know when you're ever going to get them. And it scares me a little bit. And I'm like, I, I just don't want to even like worry about that like just put these all on an ep or something and then i'll like enjoy it as a whole i honestly think though that is kind of just us in the way we think about music and and like to consume music i think a lot of other people are just excited there's new frank ocean and it's happening more frequently that's along the lines of what i was going to say i was going to say really what this is is not a podcast about music. It's a podcast about our own neuroses related mm, to mm-hmm, music mm-hmm. and the basically insanity of the way we listen. And I'm trying to get better about it. Yeah. I'm trying to get better at just listening to individual songs out of the context of full albums. And it, it for some reason, it's out of it's not totally the norm for me, but I'm, I'm getting better. I had a question for you. How would you rank Chanel, Lens, and Biking? Because we haven't Ooh, heard Good question. Lightning. Good question. Yeah, I wanted to ask you this too. I would rank them Chanel at number one. Probably biking at number two and okay. Lens at number three right now. I think Lens has the potential to end up being a grower. I, it's a really good song. I've listened only like three times, and it didn't it didn't grab me as much as Chanel did at first. And it didn't really grab me the same way that certain parts of biking did too. Biking was cool because it had that like Jay Z verse at the start. Then it went into the Frank part. Then you had Tyler. So there's a lot of different elements to this. Lens feels more just like a straightforward album track almost. So if we're thinking about it in the context of what this could be leading up to or something or what this is, um, I don't think it is going to be anything. I think these are literally just going to be singles that are out there. Yeah. But if these ended up on an album, Chanel would be like the big song. Yep. Um, Lens would probably end up being just like an album cut. I think so. I think the way I rank them, and again, I realize that this probably sounds crazy because I just said I barely remember how Lens went. All I know is that I think I would go same order, but with Biking and Lens reversed. So okay. Chanel at, at the top, I think pretty easily. That song like immediately grabbed me and has stayed a part of my rotation since mm-hmm. it came out, and I really love that song. Mm-hmm. Lens, the first couple listens I had... Like even though I don't totally remember how it goes at this point, I remember like really enjoying what he was doing with melody on that. And biking is the one that grabbed me the least. But okay, that's okay. It. So that's interesting. So it's Frank is kind of kind of has like an unofficial EP on his hands right now. If you think about it, because he, he had slide with Calvin Harris, such a good song. He's got Chanel, biking lens. This uh, Slide On Me remix with Young Thug. That's a five-song EP right there. That's a great five-song EP. That's probably like 
best EP of the year right there if you're counting it that way. If and when this Young Thug song, this remix gets on Spotify, I'm going to create my own playlist and call it like the Frank Ocean Leftovers EP or something. It's a, it's a classic you or me move to create an album that's not one. Yes. For example... It's weird to to equate these, but like Double Fantasy by John Lennon and Yoko Ono, right. I just make an album that's just a 25-minute EP by John, <laughs> right, and right. I like it more. It's mm-hmm. just the John Lennon Double Fantasy. But that, I think, is less weird to other people. Right. It's really weird for, especially you, I think, to do that. Right. To be like, oh, I'm, I'm really stepping outside the box. Oh, Watch yeah. out, guys. Like, I'm not, I'm not following the album structure. Look out, world. Yeah, you're like, oh, I'm going to skip tracks. Because like you, more than anyone, too... I feel like skipping tracks is a no-no. And when people bring up, like Stephen Hyden in particular was talking about Pearl Jam a lot. And he was like, oh, yeah, there's songs I just skip on there. You're like, wait, what? Like, you love this album, but you're skipping tracks? Yeah, I think that that is something that has been weirdly an epiphany for me. Because I think listening to guys like Stephen Hyden and Chuck Klosterman and um, Ian Cohen talk about music and sort of reveal that they do that and they skip songs like in my mind I guess I always had this idea that you were supposed to just respect the album but respect the biz respect yeah. the biz but it makes total sense that people would yeah, skip tracks I, I, I do skip tracks it, and I have um, no problems with it but yeah. for me it always feels like cheating I, I'm getting better at it interesting like yeah. especially with Father John Misty and Kendrick yeah, yeah I've been yeah. doing listens where like I'll listen through and then I'll just pick one I want to listen to skip around a little bit pick a random song in the middle listen to a few after mm-hmm. it I gotta, it, it's a it's a better way to go. It is because you don't feel so locked into yep. like especially with something like Father John or even Kendrick because they're long. Damn is deceptively long. Yes. it's relatively short. It's Kend- short by Kendrick standards. By but. Kendrick and hip hop standards, right. it's like a short to just regular length mm-hmm. album, but it's it's almost an hour. Mm-hmm. So with either of those, it's like this is quite an experience taken all as a whole, and I have to be ready for it. But mm-hmm. if I just want to listen to DNA or I just want to listen to Magic Mountain, mm-hmm. I can just do that. I'm interested to hear from listeners on how they interact with albums and if they yeah. skip around or skip tracks, if that's a normal practice for them, or if they're more like you and, and me to an extent where they feel like they need that full album list and they need that full structure. For me, I think, especially with those longer ones, or with albums that maybe aren't as strong all the way through, yeah. it's better to pick out certain tracks and you can still experience them and spend time with them. Because I think there's a tendency with us sometimes where if the whole thing isn't good, we'll just be like, well, I'm not going to revisit that because the whole thing isn't good. When in reality, there's probably like four or five songs that are like worth listening to. So, I, yeah, I think that is something that other people probably don't do as much where they're just like, yeah, of course I still listen to the album. I just listen to the songs I want and that's it. And other people just don't worry about it. But right. like, another thing is I've taken your advice and this year I made a best of mm-hmm. 2017 playlist with all the songs I've really liked and I'll just shuffle that sometimes and that's a great way like for example like I'm just thinking of a random one like Jessica Hoop that's an album I liked didn't necessarily love I enjoyed it when it was out but it's not one that where I ever thought like I'll listen to this all right. year right but there's songs on it like uh, Pegasy and uh, Simon Says mm-hmm. and Animal Kingdom Chaotic that I want to hear and they come up on that playlist right. and it's like oh I could you know maybe I'll listen to this sometime soon but I don't right. it's without the commitment of doing the whole yep, thing exactly and I think streaming like Spotify the ability for you to create playlists and just put whatever you want in contributes to that quote unquote death of the album yeah. thing that people say is happening um, but it 
is also freeing in a lot of ways because you can do what you just said. And like me, when I was moving in this past weekend and I was putting together this table over here, mm-hmm. uh, I just put on a shuffled acoustic folk playlist there you of go. all just different stuff like that because it, it just can run for hours and hours. You don't have to worry about what album am I going to listen to next? How long is that? You know, it's it's yeah. freeing in other ways besides the album. So really interesting. I would like to hear from from listeners about their perspective on that, though. So what that was was, again, not really hot thoughts. That was like hot therapy. Yeah. It was like basically us like justifying actions that mm. are totally acceptable and mm-hmm. fine, but because we are like a little crazy, like we have to talk it out with one another. <laughs> That's right. Um, but we have another album to talk about in, in our hot thoughts segment. Yes, we have another one. This is Charlie Bliss. Uh, their debut album, Guppy. So if you're not familiar with Charlie Bliss, this is like pop punk. Um, really, yeah, just like power pop, basically. Yeah, more in the pop vein than than the punk vein, I think. Yeah. I mean, it has like the heavier guitars and stuff. So, the, okay, I am enjoying this album quite a bit. I've, I've listened a few times today, and I was trying to think of a way to say this that won't make it sound like I hate this band, because I don't. <laughs> I like them. This album and a lot of the songs on it sound to me like songs that a band in a movie about a fake band would play like in a Disney Channel movie about a character who's like this freewheeling character and she has a band and at the end there's this big performance at the Battle of the Bands yep. like a lot of these songs sound like something a band like that would play does that is there any that, way to construe that that's not insulting to this to this mm, band Yes and no. I get what you're saying, and I don't think it's insulting because those songs are still really enjoyable. Like, I know what you're saying, but they're still enjoyable. You know what's funny about those movies, too, is they'll always brand this character as, like, this rebel who's, like, really playing, like, really subversive music. When in reality, they're playing pop songs. They are. And they're very catchy. They're very accessible. You're right. (laughs) I never, I didn't think of that, but now that you mentioned it, it does feel that way a little bit. It just seems like one of those bands. Like, these songs are... They're like saccharin. They're yeah. they're so sweet and like bubbly. They're yeah. border and they're pretty well produced. And the lead singer, her voice is very very high pitched. Yeah, and it's, it like doesn't feel real. It basically sounds like just pop music. Yeah, if it pop had a little bit more of an edge. Yeah, and I think for that reason. So I also like this. It's very enjoyable. Yeah, it's an easy listen. It's what like twenty eight minutes long. Yeah, like twenty nine really minutes, whatever. I really like it, but I think because it is so sickly sweet almost i'm not gonna really listen to this like throughout the rest of the year i like it there's some songs i'm gonna take away from it you know to the point we were just making and maybe i'll just listen to those songs yeah as a whole though i get but i get to the end of this and i look at the track list and i'm like oh like we're up to what song is it towards the end we're up to dq dq that's always the point yes and i'm like i'm like we're only here we're only dq i thought this was like over it doesn't help that that is Maybe the weakest song on the album. That's that and the one that where she's talking about like jump so high on the trampoline I like peed myself. Jump so high I peed the trampoline. Yeah, that, and that's what I was going to say is like my one criticism of the Charlie Bliss album is like it it just does feel sort of inconsequential I guess. But that's also coming on the heels of Kendrick and Father John right. Misty. Like that's and, what I've been listening to lately, and my headspace has been in right. more and, intellectual stuff and. I think you'd have a big audience of people who are like, no, I really like this Charlie Bliss album because it's not like those two. Exactly. Like there's so much weight of what Father John Misty means and what Kendrick Lamar means. I need an album like Charlie Bliss. And I think that is one of the reasons why it 
is so popular with a lot of people and has been getting a lot of good reviews. It's super easy to listen to, very catchy. I think there's just a couple songs on here. Like there's one that goes, the one where it's like I'm four years past past 16. 16 or whatever. That one to me starts to feel a little like whiny sometimes. Yeah. Again, though, there's other songs. I think those first two songs, Percolator and Westermark, are awesome. What's the one that's like, take me, take me anywhere? Like, there's that side. It's like the fourth track or something. Is it Black Hole? I think so. Yeah. I really, really like like Black Hole, too. Um, I think that was the single they might have put out. I think think you're right. And I think think they got a Best New Track. Yeah. Uh, courtesy of Pitchfork. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, actually, this it's which worth- is interesting because this seems to be music that Pitchfork wouldn't really like. They gave us like a seven point eight. Yeah, I, I yeah or something like that. I don't know. I guess I, I'm of sort of two schools of thought where it's like Pitchfork is just so flighty and like feels like sometimes they just pick a band, political as fuck, man. And they're like, and there could be another band that writes the same hooks. Yeah, and for some reason, yep. politically, socially, culturally, they're doing something mm-hmm. that's just not right. And for that reason, Pitchfork's all out on them. Because yep. I could see an album like this getting trashed. By oh, absolutely. Um, I, but So I don't have a ton else to say about this other than no, it's either. enjoyable. And there's going to be a couple songs I revisit. But I feel like this is going to fall victim to that syndrome of listening to too many albums. Yep. And it just wasn't quite memorable enough to pull through and get a ton of end of year credit from me. And listeners, let me know if you know what I mean by this band, this fictional band. I'm picturing it as like a Lindsay Lohan played protagonist mm. from a like a yes. Disney movie from the early from 2000s. Freaky Friday. And maybe she even had a band in that movie. That might be what I'm. Didn't thinking she? Of. I thought she did. I'm she picturing- did. She did have a band. They were they were playing in the garage, and Jamie Lee Curtis pulled the plug on them or whatever. Something about movies like that. Any movie that has kids in a band that uh, Manchester by the Sea had it too. Yeah, which is like a really good movie. Whenever they show or they're trying to portray youth and like a band in a genuine way, it never comes across well. It always comes across I, as I know fake. You mean. Do you? Part of it is the fake songs they write for them. Yeah. So, do you think what? What's the reason why they always decide to frame these kids playing this type of music? Is it because it is so, like, associated co- with youth and yeah. that age? It's coded, and you know exactly what it yeah. means. You when you see like a kid in their teens in a rock band. You you pretty much know exactly what they're about. So if if they had uh, that character from Manchester by the Sea or any of these other movies, who was getting be, it in with a couple different girls? Be, yeah, that's right. Being like this ambient music head who is doing like bedroom tracks, a la Brian Eno, that wouldn't play the same way. No, did you ever see that movie Cyrus? In fact. There's this movie. No, I don't it think had, so. It was um, with Jonah Hill. Oh, wait. I have seen that. I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's basically what happens yes. in that movie. Jonah Hill is this like teenager, and John C. Riley's his right. stepdad. Yeah. And they portray it. He's making music like that. There's a scene yeah. where John C. Riley walks in on him, and he's making like ambient music. They portray him in like, such a fucking weirdo. Dude, that's right. I totally forgot about yeah. that. And I saw that movie before I had ever had any experience with ambient music so that joke played because i was like oh that's so fucking weird that style of music like of course this weirdo is doing that yeah what when a in weirdo. reality now yeah. <laughs> weirdo when in reality now like ambient music's awesome yeah so right yeah so that it's interesting that like if they're in a punk band they're like oh this girl doesn't quite play by the rules right Lindsay lohan it's like you know. oh you're writing pop songs she so. has like pink highlighted hair <laughs> and it's wearing like a plaid skirt yeah and there's something i don't know what it is it's i think it has something to do with it is the fake songs they write for them where you know they told them what to play and mm. like pretty much what to sing mm-hmm. 
And you're like something. There's just like this disconnect for me. It never feels genuine. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I can see that. So yeah, listeners, let us know what you think of this album. Let us know how you listen to music. Do you skip around? Do you are you bound by the uh, the album format like we are? The shackles. Yep. Of the album. So that was a quicker hot thoughts for once. Yeah. Um, because we've just had episodes that have entirely been hot thoughts. Yeah, the well, past like, few weeks. You could argue that "damn" was entirely just a hot. Yeah, thoughts exactly. Because yeah. that's a segment that has expanded to like a half hour before. <laughs> yes. Because it basically just means talk about music, <laughs> right? Talk about new music. Yeah. So we'll get into some segments now. We actually have a new segment coming up in a little bit, Ooh. but we wanted to do a Mount Rushmore first. We haven't done one of these in a while, so I came up with this one this week. This is your favorite rappers. Who aren't Kendrick Lamar, Kanye West, or Drake? So I, I picked this for a couple different reasons. The first one is I feel like whenever we talk about rap on this show, it's about them. It's about one of those three. Absolutely. I also realized I am not the best at listening to rap music. I actually don't know a ton about it outside of the three of those artists. Yeah. And, I, and if you know about those three artists, you can kind of bluff. And I, do the, same I thing. do the same thing where I'm like, oh, yeah, I, lo- I really like rap music. And I'm like, oh, wait, what's my frame of reference outside of these three? I don't love anything. Right. So I, when I was trying to figure this out, I was like, shit, I don't really I could barely pick four. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of options, but none of them are like really solid. So let me go first. The, the first one that I have that is actually really solid. But again, I don't love nearly as much as those other three is Chance mm-hmm. the Rapper. So I came way around on Chance when the uh, coloring book came out. Um, I haven't listened to really anything else by him, though. So this isn't like a good example of me even loving this. Like he ha- He's almost on my Mount Rushmore by default, which seems unfair to him. But Chance the Rapper. My number two is Vince Staples. So Vince Staples, uh, I really like Summertime 06. I really like some of his EPs that he's come out with. Uh, he feels like, like he's popular. But he's like a he's like a notch below what these like really popular guys are like. Like if you know rap music and you know like music in general, you you'll know Vince Staples. But I feel like Vince Staples doesn't have that like major pop appeal yeah. that that Kanye, Drake, Kendrick, and even Chance have. I remember when I got into his EP. Is it called Hell Can Wait? Yeah, something like yeah. that. I like at that point it was a few years ago when that came out and I was like ooh I, look at me like I'm yeah, getting into some yeah. rap like I'm listening to this EP by this guy who's not really discovered yep. and then I didn't like love Summertime 06 and right. so I kind of fell off a little bit with, with Vince but we'll see how yeah. the, his next one goes he's coming out with one this year he is new album yeah yeah uh, here's one a- Aesop Rocky I actually really like Aesop Rocky I've listened to all of his stuff actually uh, I've always enjoyed it he is on that more popular side uh, or poppy side. Let I me should ask say. you this question about him. Yep. I know there's like an ASAP crew. Yes. Like a- ASAP a- Ferg. Mob or something. Yeah, yeah. ASAP Ferg and those guys. Is is his name though, ASAP Rocky, a reference to ASAP Rock? It could be. I don't know. I, I really don't, don't know. That has always confused me, that whole ASAP mob or whatever. And like one or two of them died or something. I don't know which one is which, and I don't know. See, this is a perfect example of me not knowing rap. Yeah. Like, there's probably people who are like, Sean, you're so fucking dumb, you idiot poser. ASAP Rocky is blah, 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 because of blah, 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 blah. And, like, I, I just don't know enough. I'm like, ooh, I like the song Canal Street. Like, Right, and, we, and the thing is, is, like, I, your co-host on the show, know no more than you do, right. probably less. Yeah. So I can't call you. So on. I, what I learned is, I need to 
probably make more of an effort to get into and like rap. I think I do too. Like, I only listened to Illmatic for the first time ever last week. I still haven't. So, like, that's a huge gap. How was it? It's good. It's really good. The thing, though, that I came to realize, and this could be a challenge for me with getting into that older rap, is you can definitely tell how much it influenced other artists and other sounds, and it, like, invented a certain style. But when you have spent, like, your whole life just hearing that style imitated, it loses the punch and gravitas that it has if you had heard it for the first time. I've found exactly that when I've listened to, uh, like, Pac and Biggie. Yeah. I've found exactly that where I'm like, I, I see where this influenced a lot, but I can't, for some reason, I can't latch onto it and I don't ever feel like I want to listen. I feel like some of that is a little bit, you had to be there. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of what I think about bands like Joy Division. where Absolutely. Like, I listen Absolutely. to Unknown Pleasures and I'm like, yeah, I see, I get it. And imitators have done sounds that I liked at one point and I feel bad saying it but like I'm, I'm not going to listen to Joy Division right. as a result exactly no I am 100% the same way and that's a real barrier for me with older rap which sucks uh, and then for my last one I really didn't have a solid fourth and I have a bunch of nominees Earl Sweatshirt Death Grips Kid Cudi even Nelly back in the hot and her days that was the first rap artist that I actually really listened to um, if I were, if I had to pick one on here, it'd probably be Earl Sweatshirt, but like, that's not anything that I'm like married to. Uh, so Earl Sweatshirt was your choice. You mentioning Nelly made me want to tell my Nelly story because I feel like <laughs> yeah. it's a good podcast Oh yes, story. this is great. This I don't know great. how much listeners know this. So Nelly, Nellyville was like the first, I was in fourth grade and it was my first foray into trying to like push my limits a little bit. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to buy this rap album because other kids have it and they know about it. And I remember I, I bought it and I was like kind of, you know, you're a little embarrassed. You're like, but I don't know what my parents will think it's of this. It's got the parental advisory explicit content tag on there. Exactly. And this was during the era where like, I guess that era still exists now if like on damn. But the media then had parents, especially white parents, scared to death of rap. <laughs> That's right. And so anyways, I'm, I'm listening to the CD and my grandmother who lives with me. She comes downstairs to to see me, and because she heard I got this rap album, and she goes, "Oh, can I can I see? Can I listen?" Oh. And she knew what she was doing. This was a power move. This was a strong arm move by <laughs> Mimi. And if you're listening, Mimi, I know what you did. So she pops it on, and she gives like the sort of like shocked and appalled look, like, "Oh, I I didn't know." Like she just didn't want me to be corrupted. I mean, like, yeah. she, like it yeah. sounds racist and horrible, but I think that her best intentions were at heart. Right. Um. And so as a result, I stopped playing it and never played it again because I was, like, ashamed for some mm. reason. So that shows you, like, sort of what my perspective is on rap. That's how much I got to <laughs> And, hey, I think that plays a big part in our relationship with it now. Like, it took us longer, I think, yeah. to, to, like, seriously get into it as a genre. And we just gravitated more towards rock music and, and other genres like that. So, yeah, it, there's, there's no question that... You know, I don't have the best relationship with rap. Listeners, I would love... Give me some other people who, besides Kanye, Kendrick, and Drake, and and the people I just mentioned that are like, dude, how did you not mention this person? Get into them. I need more rappers to, like, be wheelhouse, like, albums for me. And I think that's the other thing, too, though, is... we And I think we talked about this briefly past weeks. Rap is different 
with the way you listen to albums. Yeah. It's not the same that we normally do. And we really do need to break out of that mold to enjoy rap to its fullest, I think, and not think of it so much as albums. Well, it's no mystery why two of the biggest exceptions, or I guess three with Drake even, too, is like they're people who really emphasize the album. Mm-hmm. Like Kendrick and Kanye, I think, are very serious about putting out works of art as albums. Mm-hmm. I think Drake, to a certain extent, did and is now less serious mm-hmm. about it. Like with the release of More Life being a playlist. and You could even argue that his best album, uh, Take Care, is, is too long and has filler. And like he did the same thing then. That's still like a 20-track album, basically. Right. So. Um, so for me, Rappers, Mount Rushmore. I'm going to go with Chance the Rapper as well because I really like Coloring Book. And I liked some of his other releases. Um, I can't claim to be a huge fan mm-hmm. or have this expansive knowledge of his stuff. But I, I do like Chance. Um, I'm gonna go with Run the Jewels as another one for me. Um, and if have is that okay? Can you do a collective on a Mount Rushmore? Yeah, yeah, okay. sure. That's the artist. I was gonna say if I had to pick between them, I'd pick Killer Mike. Okay. Um, and then so I also had sort of nominees for my last two. Like I included Earl Sweatshirt, Tyler the Creator, Death Grips, Eminem. Even though I haven't listened to like any full albums by mm-hmm. Eminem, mm-hmm. I have always kind of liked. Uh, his apparently, flow. the Marshall Mathers EP is supposed to be great. It's supposed to be incredible, and I know that he is like actually pretty revered. I always had this impression, like talk about someone else you got scared away from. Like as a kid, I remember being like a little kid and my mom was like, never listen to Eminem. Right, right. My parents did the same thing, basically. And it's like... They're like, don't listen to that Slim Shady. Never never listen to that Marshall Mathers. (laughs) Um, Another nominee I put on there was Vince Staples as a potential. I think if I had to pick... I would go, like, just on pure rapper, mm-hmm. I'm going to go Tyler the Creator in terms of just his flow. Okay. I've never really liked a full Tyler the Creator album mm-hmm. that much, but he'll do a verse here and there, a feature here and there where I really enjoy what he's doing. Uh, the funny thing about Death Grips is, like, I would pick them, but they don't even really feel like rap in some ways. They kind of no. just, feel, Death Grips kind of feels like punk. Yeah, 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 they do. They're they actually do. more punk than most of the punk we talk about on podcasts. That's, that's true. That's closer to what the spirit of punk really is. That's true. That's true. It, it's, yeah, it is like the 21st century of what the original idea of punk would be. I feel like two that we, like big, big ones that, or three big ones that we left off here that people might be surprised about is Jay-Z, yep. Rick Ross, and Lil Wayne. I gotta be honest with you. I can't for the life of me get into Jay Z. I don't know what it is. I, your boy. I I love Watch the Throne, but that's basically because it's a Kanye album. Yeah, and like Rick Ross, I like him on features. I probably wouldn't like a full album. <laughs> and Lil Wayne kind of annoys me. Yeah, I don't know. I like have never seen the appeal of Lil Wayne to be honest with you. And you know what? This probably sounds like is just really uncultured in a way. Yeah, because it, we're just too white. Tell dudes. us we're wrong. I want listeners yeah. to be like, no, dude, you got to check out the Carter Four or Three or whatever. Like that great album is supposed to be, or like, no, go back and listen to the Blueprint or whatever. You know, like I don't know enough about these, and I need people to point me in the right direction. And be like, no, just like do it. You know who another one is probably Outcast. I got to listen to Outcast. Yeah, I, that's I'm putting them on my list. I'm going to listen to Outkast. That's going to be my next thing. Outkast. Andre 3000 is considered one of the best rappers yes. like, of all yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And um, what's it? Big Boy? Big Boy. See the other one? Yeah. It would have been bad if I didn't know. I almost didn't. And I pulled it out of the recesses of my ass. Mm. Um, I don't know what he's where he's revered. I think he's considered like less. Like, but he like really good stuff. Yeah, Outkast yeah. is, is yeah. one that I need to I, get into as well. I'm going, I, Outkast is going to be my one that I'm you, gonna go check out. So I need to give Nas a try. How do you feel about giving Tupac and Biggie a try? Is that something I'm you're not really, interested? I'm not really not interested. What if what if a listener tweets at he's like, dude, come on, rent like <laughs> if you if you are like 
here's the thing with both of them too. I like don't know where to start. I don't know what to listen to. With with Biggie, it's only one. Is it Ready to Die? I okay, is that the called. one? That's the old, that's like the one. Okay. I know he has one other that came after, but I think that's considered like his masterpiece. Okay. I've listened to it, and I gotta say, I couldn't get into it. What really. about with Tupac? What's the what's um, the go to? I think All Eyes on Me okay. is the one with with Tupac. It's that I think it's that one where it's him like in front of a black backdrop, okay. kind of like lean it. Have okay. you ever seen that one? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's his most famous album art. Okay, if someone tells me like, dude, yes, you absolutely have to listen to this. Then I will, but honestly, I don't think anyone's gonna do that unless you're over the age of thirty tweeting at me. I really don't think that's going to happen. You know, I think more people would be like, "No, dude, Outcast." This reminds me actually. I was tweeting with Ian Cohen about Outcast, yeah, because he was talking about how Damn reminded him of some some Outcast album, and I was like, "Does that mean it's good or bad?" And he's like, "Dude, if you haven't listened to this album yet, drop everything and go listen to it." Oh. So I was like, "Okay, I need to probably get on Outcast." Yeah, I mean, that's music Twitter shaming right yeah. there. Yeah, that's big time. Like, I feel like he shamed you. You know what we've had, Sean? Today we've had two hybrid um, segments. We had hot thoughts slash therapy sessions mm-hmm. slash uh, whatever else that was, and then we've had Mount Rushmore slash Trust Tree. Because this is really more of a trust yeah, tree. you're right. We, this has been a trust tree. We kind of just owned up to yeah. the fact that like we don't understand rap. Pretty much. That's pretty been, much. Like, Even though we we posture like we do, we try. Yeah. We puff out our chest. Yeah, we do. You like, know. Ooh, I like Drake. Yeah, you and everyone else in the world, dude. <laughs> like you're not some like tastemaker. Oh, you appreciate Kendrick? Any other sort of like <laughs> takes that were tailor made for you to just steal? <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Uh, yeah, so shame on us. We'll get better with that. Outcast is my my project that I'm going to work on. Uh, okay, new segment idea here, Jake. I think this has the opportunity to be fun. Um, this is called. Trim the fat. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what we want to do with this one is pick an album that is too long and would be made better by being shorter. Mm-hmm. And we're going to discuss what songs we would eliminate, what the new track listing would be, and how long it would end up being. So I think this goes back to what we were just talking about, where we are so bogged down by that album format that there's really great albums out there that are really long that we probably just kind of pass over yeah. and we're like, eh, too long. I don't love it as an album. So this is a chance to go back and actually talk about those and be like, well, what would make this like the ideal runtime and what would be the ideal album out of this? And we're going to start with a challenge for ourselves because um, this is an album that we're going to talk about today that we both, I think, love at its current length. Um, but I think, <clears throat> based on what I've heard from other listeners and other people who I've talked to and friends who listen to this album, think it could stand to be a little shorter or mm-hmm. don't love it as it is. And it's Pure Comedy by Father John Missy, mm-hmm. which we just talked about. So it's an album that, as it stands, is 74 minutes over 13 tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, Carried out over wax. <laughs> <laughs> carried out over wax. So it actually is an increased challenge because a really long album with a ton of tracks is maybe easier. because you. Can, but here we have a lot of long songs. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's more of a challenge because it's that's a sneaky. It, yeah. Thirteen's not a ton of tracks. No, it's not. It's a, it's a few it's really long ones. So this is tough because we both we do love this album. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Here's the thing. I think a lot of the reason why maybe we like it more than others is because it is too long, or or well, that other people can't get into it as much as we have is because it is really long. It takes a ton of effort to even listen through once and let alone doing it a few more times. And this is definitely a grower album. 
So cutting it down is tough because there's certain songs where first couple listens through, you're probably like, yeah, that's maybe not essential. But as you listen more, you're like, wow, I can't get rid of that. Perfect example for me is a bigger paper bag. I've been feeling the same way. That's one where maybe the first couple times I'd be like, all right, did we really need this one on here? But now I'm like, can't get rid of that one. Definitely not. Fifth, sixth, seventh listen on this album, I was like, I I realized that that is probably my top half of favorite songs on the album. I really, really like it. It has a great, like that whole, um, are you feeling used? I do. The what a con, what a fraud part. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. It's one, some of the best melody he's ever written. Mm-hmm. So this is really tough. And I, I Go ahead. Here's the thing. I think that one way to go about this that we probably are both thinking is let's scrap Birdie. Yes. Let's scrap Smoochie. Yep. Let's scrap two wildly different perspectives. Yeah, that's that's okay. probably accurate. So we get rid of that, and I'm doing this in a playlist, so it actually is going to give me the the listing here. So say you do that, even though I really like those songs. So that's okay. That gets us down. We are at now ten tracks. It's still an hour and two minutes. So so this was another idea I had, mm-hmm. and it's not one I like. I'm trying to think what other listeners would want, and I'm interested in what your thoughts would be. What if you pull Leaving L.A. out with them and have a little EP or something, and you cut this album down to like 47 minutes? Mm. Leaving L.A. helps if you get rid of it from it the does. album. It does, yeah. Because as good as it is, as much as I like it, and I, as much as I know you like it, yep. I think that from a perspective of someone who's coming into this, like, what can we trim to make this more manageable? I feel like that's the obstacle. I agree. I agree. And the, the other long track on here is So I'm Growing Old on Magic Mountain at basically 10 minutes. But that is one of the best, if not my favorite, on the album. You can't get rid of that. Yeah, well, and the thing about Magic Mountain is, is it, it makes some concessions toward listeners who like just regular rock yeah. and some instrumental. And it actually has a reprieve from the lyrics. And, and that more psychedelic Father John Misty where he's talking about things that aren't just scathing commentary on society. The more I've listened, actually, I've realized my first cut is actually two wildly different perspectives. I think that's become my least favorite song. Really? As much as I... I mean, because... And again, this is a jerk-off of this album, but I love every song, really. Yeah. Um, on the initial podcast, I said the memo, um, and I feel that was unfair. Yeah. I... Um, because I was just trying to think, like, if I can cut it in some way, I was like, sometimes the structure of this song rubs me a little bit the wrong way. Uh, it, it really doesn't after a few more listens, yeah. even after that. I was worried you were going to come and be like, we got to get rid of the memo. No, and I was going to be like, way. dude, no, this has like a lot of the themes of the of the album summed up in really nice ways throughout. It, I, I, I totally agree. And it, um, I don't know what it was. I, I always liked it. It was just something about it felt... Just like of all the songs, it felt less realized, I mm-hmm. guess. But I've come to really love it for what it is. And the reason I think if you're going to get rid of leaving L.A., a justification you could have is that it fits in with the themes maybe a little less and looks yeah. more at Father John himself. Yes, yes. So I think, okay, let's let's get rid of leaving L.A. This makes it nine songs, 48 minutes. Okay. With, if, if we get rid of those other three we talked about, you could potentially bring in one of those other ones if you wanted to. But let's leave it at nine right now. You end up getting, here's your track list. Pure comedy. Awesome. Total entertainment forever. Fantastic. Things that would have been helpful to know before the revolution. That song, I think, is 
on the first listen or two still might be a little bit of a barrier, but it's awesome. And it's, like that one will be, that'll be like the challenging third track where you're like, well, I didn't hear this one before the album started. Like, what's this all about? And it takes you a couple listens and then you end up really liking it. I agree. The, the part in that song where he's like, now I spend the long days walking through the city and the horns behind him. That's like one of my favorite moments on the whole album. That's one of his best singing performances of the whole thing. Yes, agreed. The industry and commerce topple to their knees or or whatever. That's why it was so hard for me to pick favorites on this album because it's like you you give me one and I pick that and then I'm like, oh, but what about Revolution? Like That's up there too. And then after Revolution, you get Ballad of the Dying Man. So three of the first four songs end up being singles that came out beforehand, which I think makes digesting this album way easier and where i think some people are probably like this grinds to a halt when birdie comes up and and um leaving la comes up you take out basically like 20 minutes and you go right to a bigger paper bag so that i think that does a lot that that middle of the album and what i think that does is it makes you appreciate a bigger paper bag yeah because what always happened to me and it took me like probably 10 listens to realize what was happening after leaving la I was like kind of almost exhausted mm-hmm. of from lyrics because mm-hmm. he sings so much in that song that once a bigger paper bag started, I was like not like ready. Can't like pay attention to it. I didn't yeah. feel ready. Yep. And I used to think that that lyric, the uh, was it some what is it something like a butterfly? Oh, dance like a butterfly, drink like a fish. At yeah. first, I thought I was like, that's kind of corny. Right. I like that lyric now. It's grown on me over time. Like, I guess lyrics do, and you listen to albums <laughs> a lot. But I just feel like if you go from Ballad of the Dying Man to Bigger Paper Bag, that's kind of nonstop. Yes. You go from like one of the best songs to another one without any halt. Yep. And I think people would appreciate maybe both more for I, it. I agree. And then I think the memo becomes easier to listen to yep. because, or well, you have When the God of Love Returns, which is one of the best yep. songs on that back half. And I think the memo becomes easier to listen to because you're not beat over the head as much with lyrics and you're, you can appreciate that song more. The memo becomes like one of the big statement songs. And I feel like people aren't really talking about the memo no. because it's so deep in the album after you have to sit through Leaving L.A. and some of the other ones, and you're just like, okay, I want this to be over with the memo, but now the memo becomes that statement piece. That's right. It's made kind of a footnote in the current mm-hmm. format because, mm-hmm. of, because of how much Leaving L.A. already says about some of that same subject yep. matter. And then you close out with Growing Old on Magic Mountain and in 20 years or so. The, the way this album ends is perfect. The those, last two songs, two songs are so great. Trim the Fat or Not, those last two songs are pretty a pretty perfect way to end the album. Yeah. So here's the interesting thing. I prefer the lengthier version of this album. I do too. Because I love all these songs. I do too, but I think this new format that we have created is probably easier to digest for other people. So here's the thing. Here's what could be cool, actually. As we do more of these segments, let's add this to our Listen In Podcast playlist collection. Yeah. And if people want to go and listen to this version of it, they can. And maybe they'll end up liking... Some of these albums better. And I think in the future, what we can do is discuss some like classic albums or like some older albums. One I was thinking of would be like Hail to the Thief by Radiohead. Sure. Like that's one that I think needs some editing. You've already done it with Sandinista, right? I have done it with Sandinista. We can do, yes, that's a great one to do too. I think Physical Graffiti is a good one to do for Led Zeppelin. That's a big one. I was laughing before because I was just realizing the arrogance of this segment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the sheer arrogance of us who are just two podcast hosts sitting here and like telling someone like Josh Tillman 
Or, once we get more ambitious, Joe Strummer, Robert Plant, <laughs> Jimmy Page, this is how you really should have structured this album. I think, it's, I think it's fun revisionist history, though. It is, it is. I think, you know, this might be sacrilegious, Jake. Maybe we, we even go after the White Album. Oh, I don't know. We could. I don't know. I think you could trim off, like, piggies and stuff like that. You know what we should do, maybe, is maybe one of the criteria we have is we have to get it to... Certain, under 50 minutes or something like that. Like that's point. our challenge. So we can't just be like, oh, take off Good Night and Piggies and call it a day. It's like, no, you got to make cuts of songs you love to get it to 50 minutes. You know what's funny is like you'd think with the White Album that it would be, even though it's a double LP, not that long because the Beatles' regular albums aren't that long. It's it's really long. It's long. Isn't it like 70 it, minutes? Yeah, it is. Or, it is. Or is it even longer than that? It might be like a buck 20 or something. It's like a super yeah. fucking long album. It's long. So uh, does that does that sound fair? Yeah. Like 50 minutes? Yeah. Like it's got to be 50 or under. And uh, that's... Yeah, let's try that. Okay. Let's try for a 50. I think okay. um, I think that's... A, I like this segment. Okay. We'll continue with right, it. This I like is cool. It. I will get this playlist put up. Uh, I'll tag it with uh, f- like Father John Misty listening podcast playlist or something like that. FTJ trim the fat. Yep. Trim the fat. Uh, okay. We have another trust tree for you actually. We have Even a real trust tree. We have a real trust tree. Uh, Jake, do you want to go first? This is a good one. Yep, I'll start. Um, so we, I realized this when I was listening to music with Sean and some other friends at like a get together a couple weeks ago, and it's the fact that um, I do and kind of always have unironically liked songs by both Creed and Nickelback, and I realize how over the top and lame both of those bands are. Uh, I don't care. It does see in this this goes back to one of the first conversations we had on this podcast about guilty pleasures. Yeah. That whole term is bullshit. If you like something, just like it. Right. Even though we talked a few weeks ago about creeper and how like there's certain people I just wouldn't play creeper around or oh, right. yeah. or like own up to liking. I'm not gonna walk around flaunting creed or nickelback. Right. And this is not to say uh, it, you can tell. I feel like I have to defend myself right. even while I'm admitting it. This is not to say I like listen to them a lot or right. like have ever listened to a full album. I don't think I have. Maybe one Nickelback album when yeah. I was in high school. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I do like some of those songs are undeniable. Yeah, absolutely. And They're especially super catchy. when you're playing them in a context with friends, you're having some drinks, everyone's just trying to have a fun time. What ends up happening is if you put those songs on, it's just they're fun to listen to because everyone knows them. Everyone can sing along. A lot of times, even if we love some of these songs that we talk about on the podcast, it's not fun no. for other people to listen to them. It's alienating. Yeah, it's a couple of things. It's like we all have the shared experience of having listened to this and realized how kind of silly these songs are. Two, more than anyone will admit, they like them because yes. they're catchy pop songs set to different sort of genres and you get to joke make fun of listen slash sing it Mm -hmm. and like mock it Mm -hmm. when in reality you just like like the song right it's the bottom line (laughs) right i really think that that's the the inherent flaw like sort of the lie not flaw the lie that everyone's telling themselves everyone's doing it behind this mask of coolness yeah it's like like, oh can you believe we're listening to these songs it's like no you love it yeah well it's like dude there's no reason to be ironic about it. If I think if everyone was more honest and just looked within themselves mm-hmm. and was mm-hmm. like, what's the real truth about mm-hmm. how I feel about some of these songs? They'd be like, they're catchy and I kind of yeah, like them. Yeah, absolutely. Would it get nauseating to listen to them for hours? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and, and you don't talk. want that all the time. And that's and I, I respect the hell out of this trust tree. I'm right there with you. I, I enjoy a lot of those songs too. I will listen to them in the same way. Here's one that is probably going to make some people sick. <laughs> um... <laughs> 
So there's a lot of talk about the new Gorillaz album that's coming out. Damon Alburn from Blur is the the genius behind Gorillaz. I have never really listened to them with the exception of a few songs. I have to say, I, I don't care about Gorillaz, which I realize is crazy to say and is unfair to them because obviously they're great. A lot of people really like them. And they have this new album coming out in my feeling on this isn't excitement it's not happiness it's this sinking feeling of like ugh, i'm obligated to go listen to this now and i'm not looking forward to it and i i it's going to be a forced listen where i'm like oh great gorillas i have no context for this band and i'm jumping in now i I feel like i'm setting myself up for failure but i just don't i don't really care about them they don't interest me that much blur as a band has never really interested me that much i listen to park life didn't do a lot for me. Yeah. Maybe I got to listen to some other stuff by them, but I, I, I've had a hard time like caring about this. I've never done much of a dive into Gorillaz. I bought when it came out Plastic Beach. Yeah. Um, I just phrased that sentence like Yoda. I bought when it came out. Like I did like all <laughs> sort of like inverted. Um, I got Plastic Beach, and that was in an era of my life. I think that was the end of high school or whatever, where I would buy albums, mm-hmm. CDs. And if I wasn't that interested, a few tracks, sometimes I would never finish them. Yeah. I never really finished listening to that album or I never listened to it many times. There's some really good songs on it. And with Gorillaz, like, I've always liked Feel Good Inc., Clint Eastwood. Like, there's some hits by them that I'll always enjoy hearing. And I think that they do interesting stuff and I like them in theory. But I'm actually in the same boat. Okay, okay. I don't... I don't like get up for gorillas. Okay, I've never been okay. like because I because I feel like everyone's like yeah gorillas like hell I'm yeah like, fuck well I feel left out of this. I feel like a lot of people are maybe also, we'll like this new album. I don't get like what they're like an animated band right? It's just I think just Damon Albarn and like other people he's associated with he'll make these albums and I think it was just the idea of like a side project but let's give them this sort of fantasy like okay. identity. Okay, that's cool. I think that was basically that's cool. it. That's interesting. Um. Yeah, but I'm I'm actually sort of in the same boat where like I feel like it's not. Although I think my perspective on it is I'm less like, um, not interested and more just I never have taken the time. Mm-hmm. I think I am maybe a little more interested. But okay, okay, that makes sense. So yeah, two truths and a lie is next, Jake. That's right. Um, and this week on two truths and a lie, we have Kendrick. Oh, okay, okay. Um, we haven't done one of these in a while. We haven't. America's favorite segment, as, as you've right. been wanting to say. That's right. Okay. So with Kendrick Lamar, here's the two truths and a lie for you. Number one, although Kendrick was born in Compton, California, his family has roots in the Midwest. His parents moved to Compton from Chicago to escape the city's gang culture. Number two, it was Kendrick's childhood idol, Eminem, who Kendrick met at a session with Dr. Dre, who convinced him to drop his performance name of K-Dot and released music under his given name in 2010. Number three, Lady Gaga was originally featured on Good Kid Mad City, but the song that they recorded together was not included on the album, um, and they cited creative differences. Hmm. This is tough. This is tough because I feel like any of these could be true. I think I'm going to go with that first one as being true. Okay. Because in in Ducky, he talks about something about Chirac the Terror Dome or whatever, I'm going to use that as a context clue okay. and say they maybe did move from there. Okay. If I end up being wrong on that, that's fine. Yep. Um, no one could. Hey, no one could fault you. That second one. Yeah. That one seems like it could be true as well because I know Dre and Eminem are like collaborators, um, and 
yeah, K Dot is his his nickname. Yeah. I'm gonna go with that lie as the Lady Gaga one. I just something about that feels like it could be maybe somebody else or I, I don't know. It, where where am I at on this? Wrong. <laughs> oh god. The correct answer was the Eminem one. I made okay, that. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I just invented that. That's a good. Off. That's a good one. That's um, a good story to invent. So I looked this up on Biography.com instead ooh, of Wikipedia. Oh, new resources being used. And I kind of just combined a couple things because it was like he ditched the name K Dot. And I know he likes Eminem, so yeah, I just kind of combined okay. those things. Okay. And I was like, oh, he worked with Dre. That's a good tie-in. Yep. Yeah. The Lady Gaga one's true, which I didn't know until Interesting. today. I guess she was... Fe- like, dude, imagine the balls on Kendrick at that point in his career where, like, all he really had under his belt was Section 80. And he was rising in the rap field, yeah. but I feel like not a household name by any stretch. Certainly not to anywhere near the level he is now. And... He works with Lady Gaga and has makes the decision to be like, yeah, no. <laughs> like, like, this doesn't fit with my vision. We're not going to include this. Interesting. That's Kendrick for you. One more quick trust tree for you. I have never listened to Section 80 all the way through. I kind of a trust tree, maybe a trust shrub. Mm-hmm. I've only listened once. Didn't go back to it, huh? I, I don't know. It was, so but, people swear by Section 80. I just, I really, I think it's just one of those things where like, it's almost like Neon Bible for me. Where oh, I've, okay. list, I've listened three times to Neon Bible okay, and I know it's great but it's just like I don't find the time or make the time interesting and with Section 80 it's been the same thing okay okay uh, final segment to wrap up the show recommendations of the week um, so for me believe it or not listeners I have gotten into drive-by truckers recently the reason for that is they are playing at Newport Folk Fest um, Jake and I have been getting boned on the lineups where basically every great performer ever is playing on Friday, the day that we're not going. Yep. And on Saturday, we, you know, there's some decent people playing. It's Saturday and Sunday, there's decent people playing. So I'm forced to branch out, explore some new people. Drive by truckers is one of them. Well, and as you just pointed out, just a quick side note on Twitter, you pointed out we got Pine Grove. We did get Pine Grove on Sunday. Which I'm, I'm excited, I'm excited about that. And that's good for them. Yes, it's huge for them. That's awesome. Uh, so I have gotten into drive by truckers. I decided to start with their 2016 album, American Band. This is not one we ever talked about last year or listened to last year, despite the critical love for it, despite. Our friend of the pod, Stephen Hyden. Big friend of the pod. Plugging plugging for it. One of the reasons for that, Jake, I think Drive-By Truckers is a stupid band name. It's a bad I, band I name. don't like it. I don't like their whole brand. And that was a big deterrent for me on listening to this. Turns out, this is an awesome rock record. It's really, really good. It reminds me a lot of Neil Young. It reminds me of Bruce Springsteen in a lot of ways. It's like southern rock, but it's not stupid. Um, and they make fun of it. They, yeah, yeah. And they like, kind of poke fun at like dumb Southern culture, but they also have pride in Southern culture. And they're like, it's not, you know, it's not all this stuff that we're known for. So really smart, good album. And I even went back and I listened to Decoration Day by them as well, which is supposed to be one of their other really good albums. And that was really good. So I think I might be on a little bit of a drive-by truckers kick here. American I took, Band. I took your uh, recommendation and gave this a listen. And I really enjoyed it as yeah. well. I think it's well worth a listen. Yeah. Um, my recommendation, speaking of Stephen Hyden, is Yankee Hotel Foxtrot by Wilco. Um, great album. Yep. And so this is kind of a two-part recommendation of the week because the other is to listen to the Celebration Rock podcast. Mm-hmm. 
hosted by Stephen Hyden. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does a great job on that show. And his last episode, he and was it Rob Mitchum? Yeah. Um, yep. Discussed Wilco's 2001, kind of 2002, yeah. depending on the yeah. official release yep. album, uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Um, which I didn't get into until like three years ago. I know you were into it really? before that. Yes, yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I had it back when. So we were in high school when you tried to get me into this mm-hmm. album, and I remember I had it on my iPod. I listened a few times, and for some reason, couldn't. I just mm-hmm. couldn't latch. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like the baby in the finale of Girls, which was terrible. Which was not great. Awful finale. Um, Andy Greenwald liked it. Seemed like Chris Ryan liked it. No, 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 no. They talked about it on on the watch. I was like, listen to that. You episode. listen to that. They didn't. I don't think they like liked it. They were like it seemed pretty positive. They were like it was like a fitting, touching ending, like a nice <laughs> subtle touch to end the show. I was like, I thought it was basically just not yeah. good. Yeah, I think they they know where their bread's buttered though. Because dude, they, they are they, like they just did an episode with Lena Dunham. They're not gonna burn that bridge. And she's a friend of the ringer. Yeah, they're not gonna burn that bridge at all. No. Anyways, so in high school, I didn't really latch with this album. And then um, when I started listening to records while I was working in 2014, I was like, I'm going to give this album another shot. And it just was one of those moments where like, it, it, it finally just worked. Mm, There's mm-hmm. so many good songs on this. this. I'm Trying to Break Your Heart, Camera. War on War is one that this last li- listen I just did, I liked it more than ever. You know what? So I listened to this again, too, after I, I had listened to the Celebration Rock podcast. You know what one stood out for me big time? Poor Places. That one a little bit where I was like, oh, I like this more than I thought I did. It was actually heavy metal drummer. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, like, I w- was always like, oh, yeah, this is good. Today, I was like, this is an amazing pop song. It is. So, you know what? I realized after listening to this today, when you're 16 years old, 17 years old, this isn't the album <laughs> to, like, no. really listen to. I liked it at the time. This isn't an adult album. Yeah. This is, like, you're going to like this more when you're an, an adult. You can appreciate the arrangements, the lyrics, the song structures. I, I'm shocked that I liked this as much as I did when I was 17. Big pat on the back for me. Yeah. Great taste by me. Right. That's the opposite of a trust tree. That's like a pride <laughs> uh, pulpit. Pr- <laughs> yeah. It's a pride oh. pulpit. <laughs> so... It, it is really, really good, though. The whole themes with, like, the 9-11 tie-in is always really interesting. I was going to ask you a question. So there is, like you said, the tie-in with 9-11, because this was originally slated to be released on September 11th, mm-hmm. 2001, ended up being leaked on September 18th, 2001, because the record label they were on didn't want to release it, and then got an official release through another subsidiary of that same mm-hmm. record label in 2002. Um, but... Even though it was all written and recorded before 9-11, it was associated, obviously, because it happened right around the time mm-hmm. that the album came out. There are some lyrics I can't hear without... like, the, For example, the, the biggest one is Tall Buildings Shake, Voices yes. Escape, Singing Sad, Sad Songs. That's almost so on the nose. Yeah. Where, like I've, I didn't even know what else I could picture. I know. I know. Like what, I actually found myself thinking that today where like, every time I listened before, I was like, wow, that, like, wow that's really prescient. Or yeah. that's really like... Uh, foreboding, mm-hmm. like who, they they couldn't have known. But then I had this thought today, where I was like, "Wait, what does that mean?" Yeah, like what? what is, it, what's the actual context of this song? Like I can see it. Maybe it's like oh, people who are stuck in cube farms. Yeah. Why? Why shake? I don't know. That's a really good question. Or or the song that's literally called "Ashes of American Flags." That also feels so on the nose. And honestly, there was a great point that was made on the Celebration War on War. Rock. Yeah, War on War. They made a great point where it's like, if 
this was written and recorded after this happened, it would come across as so forced and lame. Yeah. But just the fact that it wasn't ends up being okay. It's it, really weird. It makes it this kind of cool side part of the thing. Yeah. Yeah, but something about that tall building shake lyric, I'm like, I can't even, I don't know where that would come from at all. There's, there's a lot of interesting September 11th, um, like, stories with music and release dates and how things had to, like, change. Like, for example, this was supposed to come out on September 11th. Obviously, it didn't. Uh, Jay-Z's The Blueprint 2 Whatever, like, the better blueprint is. And Bob Dylan's album, Time Out of Mind. No, wait, no, 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 the next one. Love, one and, of the, Love and Theft? No, Love and Theft was 06. Maybe it was Time Out of Mind. Okay. I know he had, like, two relatively well-received albums that came out late 90s and then 2001. Yeah, Whatever the yeah. 2001 was, it, yeah, it might have been time was slated for September 11th. Yeah, well. and then uh, The Strokes, when they released yeah. Is This It in America, they had to take off uh, New York City Cops. Speaking of your recommendation of the week, I think the song When They Band Imagine, or The Day They Band Imagine, what's it called? After They Band Imagine? Yeah, yeah. Something. I think that's about that, too. It's about the band songs oh, list yeah, that came out after right. 9-11. Yes, it's actually all about how, like, Southern people have always, like, wanted to, like, serve their country and stuff. Yep. And they're like, this feels different this time. Right. Where, like, it's not... Like World War Two or like one of these other wars. It's like once they banned Imagine, it was like different. And for reference listeners, I realize I didn't say that's Drive By Truckers. That's on yes. the album Sean recommended. Yeah. Because um, I looked it up. I was like, that, that sounds like they're talking about the song Imagine. That is crazy too. Like there was a whole big list of banned radio songs after that. Have you ever looked at that list? It's, I have. It's it, so long and all-encompassing. It's on Wikipedia and you can find it, listeners. Look up like 9-11 banned songs list. It's really interesting to see. Um, there's a, anything to do with planes or flying or, or fire. falling or fire yeah. or like I, I probably like buildings. TNT by ACDC's yeah. band. Uh, I think Free Fallen by yeah. Tom Petty was yeah. one. The whole idea was people would be too sensitive to hear it. My favorite part of the list is it just says, if, I, if my memory serves, it says Rage Against the Machine, all songs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's so, dude, that's something that like wouldn't fly today. That is so wild. In the wake of a tragedy, you like ban something based on its political affiliation. Because because you think that people will perceive it as un-American or something, yeah, isn't that really interesting? And that just flew. That just like people, but that is a testament to how shocking all of that was. Where people, everyone accepted that they're like, yeah, that you know what, you're probably right. We shouldn't play these songs because it might like upset people. That's how crazy 9/11 was. Do you? We were we were really too young to really have that impact us in a real way. Yeah, but do you remember the whole vibe? Basically, the week after that happened. Oh, of course. It was really weird. Very strange, yeah. Really weird. And I feel like if we were a little older, it would seem even weirder. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is like we were nine years old when that happened. And I that's just young enough so that you can you get it, but you don't fully get it. And then can you imagine experiencing this album? It comes out a week later. It leaks. And like, let's say you're plugged into the music industry and you're like, oh, Wilco, I'm going to check this out. Mm-hmm. And it is so on the nose for all of these themes. And, like, this becomes what you're listening to at this time. There's literally two identical towers on the cover of this album. Like, what? This is, it's crazy. That's the other thing, too, that I didn't even think of. Is, yeah. yeah, you're right. The cover is reminiscent. And then so many of the lyrics. Yeah, weird time. Strange time to think back to. Also, it's kind of a long time ago now. Yeah. It's a totally, yeah, totally yeah, yeah. different era. Yep. Which is weird because I think in a lot of ways 9-11 is like the signifier of the modern world. It's like that's sort of like the mm. moment that sparked yep. 
this generation. The 21st century. That's when the 21st century really started. Yeah. It, and But that's a totally different world. Like, that yeah. may as well have been the 90s. Yeah. In terms absolutely. of, like, where culture yeah, yeah, and, right. and tech, hashtag Bill Simmons, was at. <laughs> Big shout. Um, it just was a different world. And, like, they were talking about on Celebration Rock where they're like, it's funny to think back to an era when the label you release an album on actually mattered. Yes. In, in that a band getting dropped from a major label was big news. Right. And now it, people just release things with no label and labels are like a dying thing. Right. Yep. Really, really interesting. Um, I, I got to be honest, though. This is like the only Wilco album I really like or yep. will ever listen to. Really. Have you listened to others? I've sort of tried. It just doesn't. It doesn't grab me in the same way. Did you ever try with what's the one that's like something teeth? Summer teeth. Summer teeth. I've never. Tried no, that. I don't think I've ever listened to that. I tried to listen to A Ghost Is Born, which is the one that comes after. Yeah. It did not. Didn't grab me. Didn't grab me. But the thing is, I listened to that shortly after I got into Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Um, I think if maybe I revisited some of those, I would like them more because Wilco feels very much like an adult band yeah. to like. Yeah. Like, you're not going to like that when you're a teenager as much as other things. So maybe if I went back, I would like Wilco more, but I have my work cut out for me with Outkast. The last thing I need is another, like, rock band to yeah. get into. I so. like that Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, those are words, like, for in the military yes. coding of, yes. of letters. Yep. Took me a while to realize that, that was what that was. I didn't know that that was a thing when I first listened to it. Like so. Sierra Alpha, mm -hmm. Mike. I was looking at the Whiskey list. Whiskey Hotel. I was looking at the, the list today. November is in. Huh. You know what's weird is that I thought the logic with those was that it was a word that there's no word with another letter starting it that really sounds anything alike. But M is Mike, which is a weird choice. Like, do Michael. Because there's no word. Yeah, that's true. Why would you do Mike? Because that, like, bike. Yeah, that's a good point. Mike doesn't really fit with that. November definitely does, though. Because even if you miss the beginning, it like the Vember part, you're like, oh, oh he said November. Even like uh, Yankee and Foxtrot. Like, you're not going to mix those up. Hotel is questionable because like hotel versus motel. But yeah. you're not going to mistake an H for an M. Whiskey. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Alpha. But I digress. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Listeners, get at us. What's your favorite? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't even know what those are called. Like, they're military code words. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, all right. That does it for us uh we will be back next week thanks y'all see ya First, first recording, not in the house. In a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think the last one that we didn't record in the house was on the road to see the hotelier. That's right. Listeners probably thought I was going to say Sean's parents' basement. That's right. Not the case. No, no, no. If you, not the case, Annie. If you are a big listening podcast head who knows the trivia, that that's a great trivia question, actually. Yeah. What that's was a the, good one. Before Sean's new apartment, what was the last one? Or, like, name had? all of the places where they've recorded an episode. Is it only three? The car, the basement, the house, now here? So yeah, four. that sounds right. That seems that's right. That's four, right? Oh, no, no, no. Didn't We, we did an episode in Ian's basement one five. time. Yep. So there's five. Yeah.
I'm t- yeah, there's no, no, I can't think of any I think that's it. I think that's it, though. A little trivia for you. Yeah, five places. Hey, I saw that we got another review on iTunes from... Uh, was this one not from my dad? This is not from your dad. This was from Cam. Oh. Yeah, it's nice to see. Wow. He just said, wow, uh, what a great pod. I don't know. That's very nice. That's great. Yeah, that's awesome. So big shout out to Cam if you're listening. Thank you for the review. Um, all listeners, we can benefit from reviews. So if you have to, <laughs> I know it's a pain in the ass, and like I probably wouldn't do it if I were you. <laughs> I just, I, my mindset would be someone else will do it besides yeah. me. Right. Yeah, I don't need to do this. But when you're one of three listeners, that's nah, not true. We make this joke every week yeah. on the after show. It's not true. The Kendrick Pod got the most listens one has gotten in a while. Actually, no. no Father John Misty has well, more. I, in like a first week. Right. In a first week, I mean. But Father John Misty has more. Yeah, it has more list. What does it have, like 130? Uh, it's like 150 now. 150,000. Mm-hmm. We're talking thousands, mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. We're talking in the Ks. <laughs> uh, a lot of zeros. <laughs> a lot of zeros after our figures. I can tell that this, there's we're going to have more ambient noise, which is not, I don't think, a huge problem. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, we're doing our best. We don't have a fucking studio listeners, all right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a yeah get off our back not having the carpet doesn't help yeah do you have carpet in any room no 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 so yeah I think that's fine it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't well, matter Bill Burr's podcast dude has the most echo of any podcast does it yeah I mean I feel like as long as people can just hear what we're saying like whatever if it has any echo a little echo yeah yeah you know, what you should do when someone moves into my room um, we should just like keep bothering. We should just have that as our studio still. Yeah, and just say like, "Sorry, Spencer." Yeah, you know, can do. You're fucked. Yeah, this is ours. He's like, "Well, nope, no." <laughs> For every reason, nope. I live here. Yeah, I think I'm looking at it now, and it looks like it's picking us up somewhat. Light. I think feel like we should try to lean in or something. It's gonna be annoying to have to do that the whole time. Yeah, here, let me see how this works. I was thinking I'd do the same thing. This, yeah. Like sit, can I just push this yeah. a little bit? Yeah. Rip your new rug. Yeah. I just move that a touch. How's that? Sitting Indian style. How, yeah. How does this work? Is this it, better? It looks like it's picking us up louder. Okay. From what I can gather. Did it pick that up? I, I mean, spikes. <laughs> Listeners' eardrums have been blown out. <laughs> yeah, I think we're good. Okay. Let's give it a go. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's a good call. Sit with your legs that way. Yeah. So that you're close to the mic. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, a strategy right there. Yeah. Okay. This will be okay. Fucking gas. This will be okay. None good thing pleasure. I like don't have the flexibility to really sit Indian style for very long. Yeah, and, so, and we're about to embark on probably like a forty-five to an hour yeah. of this, where we have yeah. to stay seated. Yeah, I mean, we could move and pause it. You know, what we could do actually what the counter. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be way better, <laughs> way way better. Here's a this is a little inside look, listeners. We're figuring this out on the fly. Baseball, dude. You know, what we could do was literally like put it here. Yeah. One person could like be over here. Or, yes, there. this you want is, a bench? Uh, I'll stand. You stand yeah, for I'll the stand. entirety? Yeah. All right. 
This, this is much better. Maybe I'll stand. Yeah. And more active. It's like it's like you know a standing desk. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Yeah, this is way better. Make sure it is picking it up. So I hope that was nice. No, too. this is this is good. I feel like this is gonna be better. Like the screeching of chairs and yeah. stuff. You know what I think we should do is maybe put benches next to us in case we decide to sit. Okay, that's a good idea. Do you want one? Yeah. Just in case you want to grab a seat? Sure. Because I feel like halfway through, it's going to tickle gonna, my fancy. You're going to fatigue? Yeah, okay. I, my legs are atrophied and okay. weak. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. All right. Well, All that was, right. That was uh, vital listening. Yeah. For any listener who struggled through that. That was the most like actual planning. Yeah. Like pre-show. And it was all logistical. Had. Yeah, it was. It was nothing to do with the content no. we're about to <laughs> try to create. We're going to wing that. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. That's good. Okay. 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 You ready? Yes. <clears throat> okay. Three, two, one.